I had not, I, I had no words. Like I had not, I mean, he was an elder in our church. I don't, I don't even, for people who are just listening and can't see my face right now on video, I am shook. I am shook right now. What? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So hi guys. Welcome back. Uh, I'm super excited today. I'm joined by Anne Scotland. I am so excited. We were kind of just vibing before we started recording and I'm super excited for you guys to get to know her and have her take us along on her journey. And thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks, Sam. I'm so excited to be here and just to get to know you. And I love, I love the idea the podcast you have and the reason behind it and your whole purpose. So I'm super excited to spend some time with you. Thank you. Likewise, I have a feeling we're probably <laughs> going to run over, but it's going to be a great podcast. Um, for like, for listeners, let's just kind of jump right into your backstory. Where are you from? Kind of what are you doing for work right now? How'd you get there? Give me the Reader's Digest version. Sure. So we'll give you like the that's super cap, right? Like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, my mom did used to get this. I do remember. Um, <laughs> yes. So uh, I grew up in a unusual, very conservative religious environment. I was homeschooled till I was almost 16. Um, in an, with no other kids around, basically. So that was wow. different. Um, Continued living in a really conservative environment for many years. Eventually uh, started finding my own sense of spirituality and meaning and purpose in life, which took me to Hollywood, which took me to um, also a degree in medieval women's studies, which took me wow. to <laughs> the love of studying human experiences, as actress obviously for that, and eventually into the profession around emotional well-being, mo wellness, um, personal self-confidence, leadership and like my book says joy which is like my favorite word ever um to bring ram today as a, a teacher consultant uh, coach and author wow okay i have so many questions <laughs> <Where's> your, <laughs> so, what what religion if you don't mind sharing did you grow up in because i also grew up in a very conservative religious wow. environment okay yeah. so yeah so i'm not sure how um I'll give you some clues. I do try to be sort of sensitive because my oh. family is all still in. Um, but um, it wasn't Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. Okay. But it was very similar types of philosophies and behaviors. Um, oh. There was a prophet involved, deceased, but nevertheless. Um, there was every element of life was controlled um, from your sleep to your food, to your exercise, to your daily habits, to oh. what you read, what you watched, you know, no TV, no fiction, no movies, no pop music, um, you know, went through the phase in the long dresses. I, it's like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know, okay. I got it. Yeah. So I grew up LDS. I grew up more. Okay. So I relate to you so many ways and have so many LDS friends now. So <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't want to speak negatively on organized religion. Yeah. I think it has a time and place for lots of different people. It just was never my thing. Yeah. And so how did that, how did growing up in that environment, I mean, when I was growing up and then when I eventually got out, I felt very restricted. Like I had all these questions and these things that I believed or didn't believe, but I didn't feel like I really could ask questions outside of the, the scope that I lived in. So how did that really translate into you when you, into your adult life, when you started asking those questions? Ooh, it's such a journey, right? <laughs> um, so I think one of the differences, so between me and say, as I eventually, at, you know, like at almost 16, I did go to a very small private religious school. Um, again, very small, but you know, then I started, you know, I was so excited because I like people. So I was so excited. I thought I had literally died and gone to heaven because I'm like, oh my God, there's people. <laughs> I'm, this um, is the best day ever. <laughs> um, but what I noticed, like as time went on, like, a little bit of the dis differences, say, once I graduated from the high school between me and some of the other students there, is that uh, some of them had kind of been rebelling for a long time, at least internally. 
kind of like, this isn't for me. I don't feel like I belong here. This doesn't fit. And I knew who they were and I knew their struggles, but I didn't relate to it because I was bought in 120%. Hands down, very few questions. Um, if you think you can out-religion me, bring it on. I'm a type A Capricorn. I can do anything. Oh, she's a Capricorn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I'm like, bring it on. I will out. I would like, I would get such pride out of like out-religiousing my parents sometimes just to like oh. show them that I could, you know, it was like. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously there were questions. I think one, um, one of this is so interesting. I haven't thought about this in so long. Um, one of the first things it was my senior year in high school, uh, again, you know, religious school, and I did um, like an assembly talk um, that I wrote and presented. And I want to, I might make sure I get this right real quick uh, around grace as in God's grace, our grace, ironically, the name Anne means grace. Um, and I'd never really studied it before. I'd only ever heard, you know, how it just used in the lingo you go. Sure. So, and I was like, this is really interesting because some of this doesn't really reflect the behavior I see on a daily basis mm -hmm. in this school with long dresses and the behaviors and the choices and and not to get it wrong i had a blast just being around people for those four years i, I was so excited yeah. um but that was sort of the crack in the door because i started i'll tell you what i started finally beginning to think for myself and use my own deductive reasoning that's what started it mm -hmm. and um like i knew i was smart but i dumbed it down to get points you know exactly what i'm talking about Sure. <laughs> Spirit um, animal. We are kindred spirits, my friend. <laughs> and so, um, and then I went into college, again, religious college, studied religion, but balanced that out by studying history because I had had a rare opportunity. It's not like my parents had a lot of money or anything, but to travel a little bit during high school and got to go to Europe and on an educational trip and this and that. And I was just fascinated by the greater world. I mean, you have to figure I'd only been out of like homeschool way out in the middle of nowhere for like five years. But I'm in college at this point. And um, I was just like, what? This is so incredible. So much and, more to this than me. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I took, so I had always been interested in story and human story and human experience and history. And so I also took history and that was the next big wedge in the door was I was taking parallel double majors, four-year majors, one in religion and one in history. Wow. And I started realizing there were things that didn't, you know, the history books are just history books, religion books were low, you know, honed for our belief system. And there were these weird disconnects where things like, I was learning this over in the theology department and then over here I was learning like how it kind of really went down according to history. And I'm like, wait, what? Hold on one moment. Wait, <laughs> so these people killed these people too? I thought it was just these people killed these people. Like, what? And so that was kind of, um, I remember talking to my boyfriend at the time and I would, I would come I would come in the evening, come talk to him and I was just like, so let me ask you this, like, what do you think about this? Because it doesn't make sense to me. You know, we had these weird conversations. And did he also grow up in the- He did, okay. a little less, much less conservative, but he did. And it was just really interesting because he would come up with a logical explanation that I could see was totally logical. And then I would go back to class the next day and present that like as a question. And they would come up with a totally different opposing logical explanation, which based on my program seemed completely logical. And I'm like, I feel like a crazy person. Like my worlds were starting to just like bump and conflict. So this was the wedge. So to answer your question, that was sort of how, not from like a rebellious experience or trying everything there was out there. It was more of like, my mind couldn't sustain this kind of myopic point of view of the world. Wow, that is fascinating. I also went to a religious college for a couple <laughs> of years. Yeah, I, I went to BYU. And yeah. I remember just 
a, in a couple of my classes, just sitting there being like, why did we graze over this entire section of like biology or history? I'm like, what is happening here? Like, I don't really, there were just so many gaps and I have to be careful because a lot of my like listeners and like my family, they're still very active in the church. And so I love it for them and I want to be supportive for them because I know it's what they love and like they've built their whole life around it. And so I think that organized religion is great for so many people. It just wasn't for me. So what did it look like when you finally were like, this is not for me? What do I do now? Was you, were you in college? Um, yeah, coming out of college, of course I did the brilliant thing for those of us trained to sort of like, you can be a professional woman, but just as you know, that primarily your role is like I I was dating like the theology students and like, this was like my life and, you know, and then I ended up, um, I got engaged my junior year in perfect fashion at like, what was I like 21, 20 (laughs) and got married halfway through my senior year. Wow. So I had moved from my parents' house to the religious school dorm to my husband's house. That was my entire growing up period. I never supported myself independently. I never had a full-time job to do that. I never had my own place. I never had my own apartment. I never had my own car, except I guess maybe the parent car I used when I was in high school. Um, So I had a very, I really was dependent psychologically. I didn't, I knew there was like, there's flexibility. You understand like you're like, oh, you can be the professional this or a professional that, but then I'm just, you know, and I tried a whole bunch of different things. I started my own tour company. I've always been very entrepreneurial from the very beginning. You know, um, I tried real estate. I tried, you know, a variety of things and nothing was, the tour company was great, but you know, at some point just world events and stuff kind of like that kind of had to taper off. Um, but I was just kind of in a holding pattern like trying to do the perfect life, trying to be in a relationship that was safe, but unfulfilling. Mm. Um, And becoming more mainstream, like I guess within, I was still in my religion, but I was more mainstream or, you know, I remember getting my ears pierced when I was like 26 and like living in guilt for like a year. (laughs) How dare you, first of all. How dare you do that? (laughs) Or when I had my engagement ring from my first husband and I would not wear it home. I would put it in my wallet, right? Because I was like, this is not going to go down because we had a huge like no jewelry thing. And anyway, so yeah, so that kind of continued in that holding pattern and I did explore and I did read, but I was never like pushed so far out of my comfort zone to question everything, I guess. And um uh, turns out the relationship I was in, um, eventually after several years, it got less and less healthy. I was so naive, didn't see the signs, um, it turned out to be, I won't, I'll just say there were some sociopathic tendencies to be politically correct and ended up real finding after having to hire a detective that he was living a double and triple life in another state with other houses and cars and women. And, I was, I had not, I, I had no words. Like I had not, exp- I mean, he was an elder in our church. I don't, I don't even, for people who are just listening and can't see my face right now on video, I am shook. I am shook right now. What? Yeah. How do, wow. Okay. So yeah i mean what do you even do from there you start over i guess like it you know it's been a while and i still get goosebumps just because like thinking of that and uh, you know and i i have empathic tendencies anyway so everything is blown bigger and experiential feeling and right and i was just i felt so lost of course i went to like my pastor and he was like well you know I realized that he's done this and this and this and this and this and this, but you know, your only road to is reconciliation. And I'm like, uh, hold um, on a moment. Hold on. <laughs> and then I, I fly home to just randomly shut up on my parents' porch. Uh, Cause I was going to kind of like, I'd been in sort of a Bible college environment in the South, but I really was from California. So, um, 
uh, I went back home to my parents' house, just walked in one day, totally shocked them. And my dad was home and um, my mom wasn't home yet. And so we just went out and sat on the front porch. And cause I, I mean, no one in the entire history of my either sides of my family had ever been divorced. And you know, that was not cool. And, but I knew I had to do it and at least, and you'll understand from a theological perspective and why I'd had to borrow money from a friend's brother to hire a private detective was that I needed clarity mm-hmm. that like the overt cheating was happening before I felt like I could free myself. That was, you know, unfortunately how I believed it had to be. Mm-hmm. And I just remember sitting out on the front porch with my dad and saying, you know, this is this and this is this. And he was surprisingly kind and receptive. I had no idea what to expect. And, um, he said, well, I'm glad you're safe. And, you know, I can see why this is, you know, something that you might need to do. Like if you're you know, going to separate or get a divorce, and it's like, but just so long as you understand, and this will resonate even more for you than it did for me. Uh, Cause this wasn't really part of our theology. Uh, he's like, just so long as you always understand that you'll be married to him forever in heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting triggered. <laughs> I know. I know. By this conversation. So yeah, I mean, because I was divorced at 23. So I totally yeah. understand. Divorce is just not it's I feel like it's getting better, at least in the LDS religion. Like mm-hmm. if divorce needs to happen. You kind of move the blocks around to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, but even that, like, too, but I'm fringes. Yeah, I'm still technically sealed. Yeah, no, my no. ex husband. I got my records removed, so I don't know logistically how that would work. Like, you know, in the afterlife, if God's like, "Well, you got sealed, but then you told me to f off," so I'm not really sure what to do with you now. So, <laughs> like, the concept is still there. Like, just as long as you know, like, you made this commitment, and it transcends the fabric of mortality like and i was i remember being like oh no (laughs) like no (laughs) and those questions though and for me it wasn't like we don't have a ceiling and we don't have like the marriage is more of a traditional it's not but you know if you just kind of imagine like marriage in the context of kind of conservative southern baptist environment is how i usually describe it to people very biblical, but not, there's no, not the extras that you grew up with, which is like a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Like in our environment, you did, you could be saved as a woman independently. It really was a one and you God experience. So there was like a lot less of the steps that you guys have. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it still didn't justify. And I just couldn't believe at this point, like my dad, my pastor, other people, like people who didn't even believe it was real, thought I was like making it up because my husband was so well known in the community and respected. <laughs> and, um, and so I was just like, my the bottom just fell out at that point. I'm like, listen, I didn't do the rebe- rebel thing. I wasn't smoking pot at the railroad tracks when I was, you know, 17, like everybody else. I wasn't like, I never got pregnant. Ah, 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 ah. It's like, I obeyed all the rules. I did all the things. I honored my husband. I honored my faith. I did it all. And now when I'm in crisis, they've all just left me here. Like my husband has literally left me, uh, but didn't want a divorce because he didn't, you know, it's like money more. Basically, that was the only issue, of course. Um, my church has kind of abandoned me because like their solution is like a no go. Um, my parents support me being safe and healthy and well, but philosophically want to lock me down with this man for the rest of eternity. <laughs> and I just like, I fell apart big time. And I know, you know, the stuff like, I mean, mentally, and if you've been around people with sociopathic tendencies, they, intentionally or unintentionally, because I also understand it's a, it's a state, it can be a sickness. They make you feel crazy. It's the MO. So they make you think, you know, I would say like, no, but you said this. And he would say, I never said that. And I'm like, yeah, last week when you had this drink in your hand and you're standing by the fireplace, right after we got back from, you said, he like, I never said that. Don't lie. Don't say that stuff. Don't, don't make shit up. And you just literally start feeling like from when you've grown up in like a vulnerable space and a very trusting space, you're just like, I don't, 
I don't know what- losing I'm losing all my marbles. Yeah. I had bleeding ulcers. I had, uh, I also got like um, bad pap smear results at that time and because of his behavior. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And I don't say this lightly because you've experienced it. I was like, I'm going to die of cancer alone. You know, it didn't get that far. And I was fortunate that I missed, missed that one. But I was like, this is like, I have, I basically laid on the floor in my house for two years and watched TV and cried. That's pretty yeah. much what happened. I, I had nothing. And a lot of that was before the actual break. Once the break happened um, and like I had served in papers and whatever, like I packed up and left this so, so, so fast. Like I was like moved clear back across the country. I just like clean cut, but I lost almost all my support group, all my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I had three or four like good girlfriends that were like supportive and listening and available, but pretty much everyone else, I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed, mm-hmm. not just because of what he did, but because I felt like a fool. Yeah. Like, I, oh my God, I let this happen. Like oh. people must think that I am the dumbest person ever. And, you know, and having a brain because of the way I, we grew up, having a brain has always been like my deepest clinging is like, I have a brain. I don't care if you love me, hate me. But don't tell me I'm stupid. Don't shame me. Don't treat me like I am not intelligent. Like I cannot stand it. And so that was just like, I can't face people. So that was, uh, you know, to end that chapter. But yeah, so I ended up back on the West Coast and just literally like no idea where to begin. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I I remember telling myself I moved back in with my dad after I left. And like, I remember... I just show I I packed the most random duffel bag because I'm like I just need to leave here and so I had like a swimsuit a pair of sweats like <laughs> a t-shirt and some shoes you know and I just showed up and and I was like I don't know what to do like I you have to mourn this life with that you thought you were gonna have with this person and my parents got divorced uh when I got married so he had been divorced oh, wow. for a couple of years and he looked at me and he said, I would go through my divorce 10 times out of 10 times again, just so I can be here for you in this moment. And the best piece of advice he gave me is one rock bottom is a very solid foundation to build on. So even though it sucks right now, like we're going to be fine, but two, like that's the hardest part is the mourning and the loss of like, I don't know what to do now. There was one thing I knew at least for a, for ever that I had this person and this partner and now they're gone and I have to restart all over again without them. And that was a tough, tough pill to swallow. So you ended up in LA, you said. Yeah. Well, in the Bay area at first, um, I, my parents lived in Northern California, but I didn't want to be too close Uh because there is a lot of pressure still to conform. And I mean, they're completely practicing to this day. So so, um, so the Bay Area was like two or three hours away, and I had one girlfriend that I actually had gone to this religious high school with, and we'd been friends like forever. And I was like, she's the only person I knew really that I had that could relate to me and understood my story. And she lived in the Bay Area, San Francisco area, so I just moved close by her husband and her two little kids. And um, we had this, you know, we had the history in common. She also had met my husband many times. She knew him, she understood the story. It was great to have that. And I just wanna say too, for anyone who's listening, I had a mentor, I think it was probably around college, uh, a female mentor who was really influential on me. And one of the things she said was within the context of our experience, right, was um, be sure even when you get married, this, this was from within advice, but such good advice. Even when you get married, just remember your husband can't be everything to you. Hmm. He, can't, he can't be everything to you. You have a relationship with him, but he can't handle all of the things that you want to unpack because he's not wired for it. He's not a woman. He like, you need to have really good friends. You can't put all the pressure on him. Cause I really just thought, well, it's you, him, it's it ever done. What do you need anyone else for? 
kind of mm-hmm. like you really need strong supportive female females women in your life to support you and hear you and understand you so you can live in balance and then what if things are bad with him how do you explain something something else in your life is going wrong when things are wrong with him then how, you can't have like what are you supposed to do and i mean i guess it's a no-brainer but so i was really conscious about it like in college and after college like like really um focusing on building these relationships with you know everyone's busy and some of them were like young moms and i would say let's go to coffee and they'd be like oh let's totally do that i would love to do that and they never hear from them so i just became the one to make the calls mm-hmm. it'd be like thank you so much for reaching out i so need to do this let's do it tuesday they almost never called me but mm-hmm. i was okay with that because i'm like okay this is what i can do i can reach out and i really fed those relationships and including even though it was long distance my friend in california so those were the women who kept me from literally going under a hundred percent to the darkest place because i someone still believed in me someone still believed me you know what that is like have someone who believes you when nobody believes you like or they don't believe that they believe your entire take is just bullshit or whatever yeah. Um, you know, swear on this podcast. Yeah, they're like, okay, good. I'm an actress, so now I was like, it comes out very easily. You're good. Um, <laughs> they believed me, and so having that female foundation was so valuable. It literally kept me going. Um, and I, I, my ex had not allowed me to go back to to go to graduate school, which pretty much cut my academic career short because with those degrees. I wanted to be a professor and you're going to have to have graduate degrees to do that. But I would have had to have been away from home for two nights a week to, to a city four hours away to get the degree I needed. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, we're married. We're not spending time apart. If we're married, we're together. You're not going to be spending the night anywhere else. Some delicious but- irony based on what he was doing. <laughs> In the end, when he was coming home, like one day a month. Yeah. Like, it's so funny. The louder people squeak about stuff, the more I get suspicious now because I'm like. Hindsight 2020. Super anti-gay, like overtly. That's very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Let me just sit on. Yeah. Projection is a real thing. For sure. (laughs) You know, like stuff like that. Um, Anyway, so. To, to round that off. Yeah. So I ended up back on the West Coast. So I got went back to went back to graduate school and was kind of like finding my ground and just like being like, oh, back around people who respect me that I have a brain that I, you know, it was it was a it was, you know, a state college, state university. There's no it wasn't religious. So it's first time I'd ever even been in a non-religious school and um, found people so incredibly accepting and positive and supportive. <laughs> a nice change of pace (laughs) (laughs) not that everyone at the others weren't but just okay all of that but just okay with who i was and not judging me all the time right just taking you who you are instead of what they like appreciating who i was and what made me myself and unique and it just sounds so crazy for people who haven't experienced this lifestyle but it's like wow like i'm getting more love in a weird way than I ever did before because it was just unconditional and just lateral and just like you're cool you're a human welcome to my space and you're like (laughs) thank you thank you so much I think for especially growing up in a religious environment there there's so much pressure to wear certain hats and conform to a certain thing And I am sure you felt this too. I felt this all the time. Like I just don't fit in here anywhere. Like what I want to do, like I never had a huge desire to be a mom and all of my friends, that's all they wanted to do was be a mom. And I was like, I don't, I just don't want to do it really. And so that was an interesting thing for me because I mean, a lot of the the religious teachings I grew up with was like, your purpose is to be a mother and to bear children and like do this. And I was like, but what if I don't want to do that? So it's fascinating because I I kind of like coined that off or chalked that off to not being a religious person or a spiritual person because I didn't agree with that environment. But then when I had this spiritual awakening, I am actually a very spiritual person. It just isn't a different vein. So what did that look like for you when you kind of started to wake up and and realize that 
maybe there was just a different path that you wanted to be on. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite a journey. Um, and back to the kid thing though, I also relate to that. Um, because I was born to be a powerful independent leader. That's like who I am. Mm-hmm. and well you're a capricorn so that makes capricorn <laughs> and all these other things and the firstborn and the type a you name it right so um i think after growing up in a family i did and then uh, even so by like by like 18 19 i already was quite certain that i didn't want to have kids and i think for me it was about freedom and so with my husband, we're, we were kind of like, well, we'll see. And if we hit this age, if I hit this age and we haven't, then we'll make a decision. And um, so kind of like put that off and I was so grateful. So I didn't. So when it all collapsed, I didn't have to stay stuck with him in a place I didn't like it in an area I didn't love and like be just stuck. Mm-hmm. I was like, Whew. you know, um, and and then <laughs> to jump ahead, when I, because I, I am happily remarried now. And um, on my second, I don't even know if it was a date yet. It was just like a hike. <laughs> my second date with my husband now, <laughs> I told him right off the bat that I was never having kids. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to leave this guy on. Like either. Yeah. He's going to, and he was completely shocked, not necessarily aligned with it because he's, his family and culture was very kid heavy, like environment. And, but I'm like, hey, I'm just putting it out there. If, if they disappear, if they stick around, hmm, you stuck around. I was like, hmm. <laughs> because, so I see a dog in your picture behind you there. So I'm assuming you're a dog. Yes, yes. he is so. my one and only child. <laughs> oh my God, I so relate to it. During this time too, I had, um, I had a yellow Labrador that was my child, like his oh. whole life from puppyhood through as long as he lived. Um, he was my best friend, like, guys, husbands, whatever, come and go. He was like my heart and soul when he died. I was, I struggled more with that than any relative or anything ever. Oh, I literally can't think about it. I cannot think about him dying. He is my heart dog. Like I'm with you. My bacon, like crying in the dog bed on the dog. This is a thing. Yes. Okay. So I'm so, I get it. (laughs) And, um, there's a beautiful story about that too, after him and, and what changed in my life and how, and now I have three rescues and that wake me up in transcendent space every morning. Oh. <laughs> they all sleep on the bed. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll wake up a little paw on my shoulder, like, hello. <laughs> Apollo is a rescue as well. And oh. he, he was in a shelter for the first four years of his life. And then finally I was in a point where I could get a dog because I lost, I left my two labs, yellow labs with my ex-husband because yeah. I'm, like, I'm not going to take him to a- yellow labs too. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I was finally in a position where I could get a dog and it was during COVID times and all the shelters were empty except for him. Wow. Mm-hmm. So cool. he was just yeah. waiting around for me. Yeah. He okay. was just. So- whole Wait. separate podcast on dogs yes we'll and put a pin in that and do a follow-up episode severe ptsd and took a lot out of me to work with her for years to get her in a space and now she's a very happy but like love it's hard when you have empathic tendencies and be around suffering that you can't fix mm-hmm. again more stuff for it whenever we're so, gonna have to have a part two because <laughs> we're, we're just unpacking <laughs> a lot of stuff like, here totally diving here so um i what happened was in a nutshell um i was graduating with my graduate degree i i studied ancient medieval studies it had originally been like reformation history which you'll understand <laughs> And then I, when I shifted to a different university and it was ancient medieval, which is great because I love like ancient Roman Egyptian history. And then I did my, my thesis on medieval women writers again, really, really strong minded women who took huge risks in medieval times where all women were allowed to do is write letters or shopping lists and had thoughts and had opinions. And one of them is like a theologian. And one of them is um, has her own brewery and walks around all of Europe having visions and telling people to F off basically. 
<laughs> just like, I feel like me and her would be friends. <laughs> One of them wrote a groundbreaking book that was used for a couple hundred years as the founding, like the manual for hunting and fishing and hawking. Don't tell me she was a girly girl. <laughs> Holy shit, that is so cool. I mean, these women, man. And it's like, this is like, so I poured myself into that, which was amazing. And then when I was graduating and like, now I want to get a job in university, it was right in the, in the recession. And mm -hmm. the like tenured, you know, like the PhDs were getting laid off that had been doing it for 20 years. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> and so I, I was just in the university one day in one of those like, you know, those pin boards at the end of a hall between the stairs and there was an audition. And I had always like loved sort of like the idea of acting. I wrote my first play when I was 10. Um, of course, I acted in it and forced my mom and brothers to watch. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, it's like, I was like, this is so interesting. And I was literally at this place like, what should I do? I was like, this is, is hilarious now having been an actress. I'm like, well, maybe this is a good way to make money on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so um i was like what is this play i don't even know what this is and it was um for lysistrata which is an ancient greek play written like roughly 500 years bc about powerful women i had no idea about powerful women in greek greece and sparta like kicking their husband's ass to get the country back in line because their husbands have let it go to to help. And I love so, this so much. Already. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, huh, this is interesting. So it's a super small production. It wasn't like a giant thing or anything. So I went and auditioned for it and landed the lead of Lysistrata. I had no formal acting experience at all. I have a manuscript like this thick which although it's translated is kind of like speaking Shakespearean English because it's very heavy and it's translated from the Greek. Oh, yeah. It's heavy duty. And this was my first script to learn. Oh, <laughs> casual, a casual day. I just remember getting a lot of walking done that summer because I would just like go out, walk for like seven miles and just memorize. I just have my script with me. <laughs> it's like working on this thing. Oh. Um, so the, the short end of that was I was like, wow, this was really awesome. I got to have a voice. Mm. I got to express myself in ways that weren't necessarily like allowed. I get to have a voice I didn't have. And I'm like, boy, this acting thing is really cool. And so I joined a local acting class and eventually ended up teaching at that studio and just really found my voice. This was a huge part of my like rediscovering who I actually was. Like I didn't have a capacity to show anger. It wasn't there. It was completely absent. My God, you get it. <gasps> oh my God. And, and, and like, so my acting teachers were just like, first of all, she doesn't cuss. Like what kind of actress, like you have to say the word it's in the script. And I'm like, I can't say that. I can't. You know? And then um, <laughs> they would like force me to just stand up on the stage and be like, <laughs> and I'm just like beat red, you know? Um, and, and then, and just like expressing myself and eventually, um, led to i'm like hey i'm gonna go to la while i can while i have this chance at this point now i had met my husband who really summary story we got set up by mutual friends cross country long distance basically um because we came from the same religious background wow cool and the friends who connected me were this couple my ex and i had hung out with for years <laughs> and I kind of got her in the divorce. So she she like told her brother who told someone who said, hey, John, this girl, Ann just moved to California. And he's like, it's a big state. I'm sick of online dating. I don't even want to date. He was divorced and um, didn't even call me for like two months. Finally, we just had a phone conversation, which led to a dog date because none of us wanted a date. So he had two dogs. I had one big dog. We took him to like this beach in Santa Cruz where the dogs can run free. I love that. that. Was first date it was really just a dog date. Um, and we, uh, it turns out after all that, we only lived two miles apart, which was crazy. Wow. And, uh, so this is like this other amazing story in itself. But so I, at this point had gotten remarried and um, kind of drug him down to LA, poor guy. 
<laughs> love is patient and love so is love. After he did he, that he out of his, his heart. Company. He didn't want to move, didn't want to move, hated LA, blah, blah, blah. He went to his company, didn't tell me, told my girlfriend, didn't tell me. And he went to his boss one day. Well, anyway, he just comes home. And I've been like going back and forth, traveling, like doing a night and two gone and like trying to do this whole cross state thing. And, and he, one day he just comes home. He's like, yeah, so I talked to my boss today and I told him that, um, my wife is moving to LA to be an actress and I'm going to go with her. And I realized that this is pre COVID obviously no one in the company works remotely. But if they're interested in keeping me and he happened to be their top salesman in software that year, um, I would love to continue working for you. And so they were like, well, we'll think about it. And they said, yes. And so he was able to work remotely. We moved to LA <laughs> oh. and it was really cool. And I spent, you know, so much time learning to express myself more and more and grow as a human being in the most incredible way met people who were deeply spiritual and not theological which was such uh, like my soul could finally breathe like i didn't know any of this like people really this stuff any of this um and as i was i had taught and coached in the bay area actors and the business side of acting and i've always had these teaching and leadership tendencies nurturing empathic coaching tendencies and it worked so well and I kept coaching down there. And then I was like, you know, I should really just expand this part of myself and stay acting. But um, so um, I'm like, also, you know, broke, broke artists can only pay so much. So I was like, I'm going to go to the College of Executive Coaching in Santa Barbara, California. So I can actually coach it to people who can afford to pay me enough to live on. And that was how it was born. And then my, my theme around coaching being recovery, emotional wellness, personal confidence, rediscovering your confidence, leadership, living a life of joy has literally, I mean, I was doing acting 80% this 20 and it's almost reversed now after COVID. Like I still have my reps. I got my agent in London. I got my agent here and there. Um, I have an audition right after this actually. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm like, I love that piece that I developed um, and want to keep using it. But like the 75, 80% is now my business around supporting other people in emotional wellness, recovery, joy, um, just living life to the full. And my newest little PS for you then is literally in the last month, I've been deeply revisiting my own spirituality. Mm -hmm. This could be, and even another conversation because um it's hard to live without it it is and i think it's hard when you try to live without with spirituality that isn't true to your soul which is what i did for a really long time which is why i just kind of was like no i'm an atheist like i don't believe in anything i don't think there's anything out there and then it literally took the universe like shaking me and putting me on my ass to be like, hi, I'm here. I just need you to pay attention in the, in the language that your soul speaks. Wow. Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who is kind of wanting to start on that spiritual awakening journey, but feels a little hesitant to go outside of their current scope? I would say you know, this is such a, like, I'm hugely immersing myself right now and it's yeah. super funky feeling. And I've always been so spiritual, like that never left, but yeah, I've kind of gone through the agnostic, atheist, agnostic, like this whole thing. And it's very lonely. And what's interesting is my body and my empathic side, like I get breakthroughs, they just come through. Like had a really cool experience with a friend who had a family member dying last week and the timing was like to the minute of the information that i was able to share with her like just weird things that i could never plan and that happens and i'm always like damn it i know <sighs> dang it okay i understand now ah! <laughs> so, um, i'm like but i think that got cut off here so like I can have the flow between you and me. And I think if you want to call it the universe, the divine uses that I have that gift, mm -hmm. but I've been really cut off from here up. My gut and my heart know about a greater power 
that's so authentically there. It's who I am. I know it's where I'm happy, but my head just keeps shutting it down, shutting it down, shutting it down because I'm too scared to feel it again, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, so I was like, I can just share with people like what my journey right now in this moment is, because I think this is going to be a huge new part of what I am living and sharing going forward, but is around, um, if you have any feeling at all that there might be something greater, even if it's a might, then start asking for what you should ask. Yeah, just be curious. Just be curious and ask, but know that it's coming from, yeah, like, a, I don't know where to start. So show me what I should ask. And then start seeing if you get some downloads and start journaling some stuff. And I've even started doing like self videoing my thoughts and my face because when you start hearing your own words and seeing your own face, a friend was just sharing this with me. It kind of makes it a little more real. Oh, yeah. And just being open and willing and like instead of trying to force it into a box that you can define. You know, what about that? We are just we are awareness that happens to be expressed through a body that happens to observe our own thoughts. What is that? And maybe that awareness can communicate in a way that's new and different and healing and gives you the hope of not feeling alone. Because even when you're surrounded by people, you can feel so alone when you know you're wired to be spiritual, but you've disconnected. So yeah, I guess that's all I've got yet. <laughs> I love I love that. I think that's huge. I think awareness is the first step, just noticing that something is missing or something needs an answer. I think a lot of people get very comfortable in the wheel that they're in mm-hmm. of I know everything. I know how this works. I know how every day is going to look going forward. And a lot of people refuse to step out into that different path because it's scary and it's full of fear and one of my favorite quotes that i've been really really living by lately is gratitude is the antidote to fear and so reframing that and saying how i'm so grateful for this space to ask these questions and this opportunity to be in this position because so many people are like oh this is so scary and this hurts and they can run away from the fear but i've really been trying to reframe that and being like i'm so grateful that i'm here for this opportunity to grow and get better yeah and and reframing the fear too and understanding where it's coming from like i'm super getting into neuroscience too Mm -hmm. um So you can, so when you can combine the elements of the spiritual that you can authentically feel, and then with science that helps those of us who like to have explanations, and then you come up, here's my answer. You create your own spiritual experience. We always did. We just were fed information and we used it in a certain way. Like I'm in that space now where I can finally go back and kind of like read the Bible and get like these, oh my God, this is incredibly true because I'm not, I only heard it through these theological filters. Right. Oh, this means A being A means B. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. This is so Z. Like what in the world? Like, you know, kind of like coming back to it and just exploring it and having that, yeah, that openness, that awareness and revisiting, you know, what are you really so afraid of? And this is literally one of the things I asked for this week, because I'm like seriously in this super deep turning space right now and studying and asking and, and I, I was just like, yeah, like, what is it I'm so afraid of? Okay, do we have like two more minutes? Because I will tell you what I was. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Tell me. So I was out kayaking with two very beautiful spiritual actress friends of mine. Um, and we were kayaking in this really tranquil river, like totally still like reflection. And um, you know, we're kind of they're both having our own sort of personal meditations. We're near each other, but kind of, and, and I just started talking out loud because I get lost in my head. So sometimes it helps me a lot to verbalize, if you want to call it a prayer conversation, whatever you want to call that. And I was like, what is really stopping me when my heart and my gut know of a higher power, whatever that is, and what is stopping me from being able to receive it? 
-hmm. like why can't I communicate with it more clearly like what is that and um and I was totally in a place of asking and openness and it just came to me as like because you care too much about what other people think because you're afraid people will judge you for not being smart it's really just ego mm. you're so afraid of people thinking that you're some woo-woo person and that you don't have a lot of that now fully embracing it but it's hard i mean you but yeah. i think there's a stigma where you can't be both and you absolutely can be both and this is my new like determination actually because here's me i have always been like okay you know people like oh the blonde right and and then i'll be like yes in my and when i studied medieval history and they're like what yeah, like i always this thank you so much the shock factor of like just who i am is such a weird unexplained thing and so like <laughs> i enjoy that i'm like here's two things that you don't think go together watch me and then helping pave the way for other people because it's so desperately needed to understand that you can connect these two things and you don't have to be part of a system to do that you can connect the heart and the mind and it's um and that's my own personal journey and there's nothing like your own journey to help other people find theirs oh wow so powerful okay so that was the most incredible i can't believe we talked for an hour i have one more question for you as we wrap up um that i ask all of my guests if you could give yourself a piece of advice five years ago what would it be wow this was really good quit trying so hard and get with flow Mm, let it flow just let, let it flow. flow ask receive i have this personality which is like if you claw up the cliff you'll win in the end and then sometimes you do and sometimes you don't and when i stop and just watch for what's opening and go there crazy things happen mm -hmm. like the amount, even in this year, the amount of invitations I've had to be parts of things and work with things and doing retreats and like all these things. And, you know, when, as much as I love acting, when I was, all I cared about was clawing my way into this, some position or some role and I was miserable and things were never falling into place. Um, because like universe was saying, look over here, I've opened like six doors for you. And you're like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Even though it's really hard, I'm paddling upstream and I'm about to drown. I'm like, okay. <laughs> or you could turn the boat around, turn that kite around, like start going with the flow, look for what's opening and being less, just being open. Yeah, the art of radical surrender. Just letting things be and letting things happen the way they're supposed to happen. I love it. I love it. And thank you so much. I am so excited for everyone to listen to this episode. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on it. Um, if you want to connect with Anne, we'll have all of her information down in the um, bio for the episode. Uh, Anne, thank you so much. I think we should do a follow-up episode. I would love things. to do that. I would love to do that. Um, and if any of these are audio only, if you're listening to, you can check me out. Um, I'll give you my the spelling of my name. Just go to annscotland.com. It's A-N-N-E, so Anne with an E. Scotland, S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N, not like the country. annscotland.com. And um, you can check out more. And uh, yeah, you can shoot me a message if you like. I would love to hear from you. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Anne, so much. Thank you, Sam.